Good morning and welcome to another Work Human Radio. My name is Mike Wood. I am your normal host. But during the pandemic, we've been trying to reach out to the community and provide some insight. And so we've been talking, well, our Chief Human Resources Officer, Steve Pemberton, has been talking to various people. And today he interviews Aoife McGivney, who is a nurse over in Ireland. Um, We've talked to some nurses around uh, the U.S., but this is our first guest from across the pond. So enjoy Steve's conversation with Aoife to see what's happening over in Ireland. Hi, everybody. It's Steve Pemberton, the Chief Human Resources Officer at Work Human. And today, as part of our Keeping Work Human series, I'm joined by a very special guest, Aoife McGivney, a nurse at Mater Hospital in Dublin, Ireland, and our first guest from across the pond. Aoife, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, a real pleasure uh, to have you. Uh, so how are you doing and how is the family? I, I, I understand that uh, you have recently begun to self-isolate. Um, are you doing okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm okay. Um, in work last week, um, I had an exposure to two positive patients, positive of coronavirus. So in that situation, I am at home, currently on lockdown in my room. Um, trying to stay away from my family at the moment. I'm lucky I have no symptoms, so that's a plus side. I'm hoping that I don't get it. Um, and actually, at the moment, they are short-staffed in work, so they're actually going to bring me back to work early to just keep me on close monitoring over there at the moment. So no uh, symptoms or anything about Something like that, thank God. We, I have to check my temperature uh, twice a day just to keep work informed and stuff and just keep on top of things just in case I did get it but I'm just staying away from my family and everything just in case because I wouldn't want you know the way that's in you can be asymptomatic for a certain length of time so I don't want them having any increased risk or anything like that and catching it from me if I did have the asymptomatic side of it at the moment so I'm doing okay though it's it's tough being in isolation (laughs) uh yes yes um you know, hearing you describe that, though, uh, I, I do uh, want to. I wanted to ask you whether or not um, one of the bigger challenges of COVID is this asymptomatic nature. You can have it and not know it. That seems to me really, really different from what you're accustomed to dealing with. Is that is that true? Yeah, definitely. I think, especially, I think that's why everywhere had to go in such lockdown so quickly was because. The asymptomatic part was the scariest part because obviously people could be carriers and not know they were carriers for up to two weeks. So it meant they could have infected a certain amount of people in that period of time without realizing it. And that's the kind of dangerous part of it that you don't know that you could be infecting people. Um, And then obviously, so that's why you have to kind of keep an eye on who you're making contact with and just keep it as minimal as possible at the moment. You know, that, that is really important for all of us to, to understand. It yeah, would definitely. intent, of course, to infect someone. But unlike most uh, viruses like this, they usually announce themselves either in the form of a cough, a sneeze, a high temperature. But in, in this case, that's not at all, um, you know, the case. So it's, it's you know, this... Uh, real warning for us, especially as we begin to hear this global conversation about society's reopening, all the physical distancing really is, uh, is, is important. So tell us a little bit uh, uh, about what the environment is like 
uh, in Ireland? Um, at the moment, I mean, we've done really, really well so far with the isolation, with the lockdown. Um, the, basically, what's the law at the moment is that you have to stay within two kilometer radius of your own home. Um, you're not allowed to go out. You can only go out exercising either with one other person or on your own. Um, and, you know, for the first while, people really stuck by it, but it's kind of getting very, you can see people are kind of getting a bit sick of it at the moment. It's very frustrating for me, just as a nurse, going outside and seeing groups of people hanging out together. Um, when really, you know, you're there going, oh my God, this is my job to, I see such a side of things in the hospital. And like the whole point is to keep these people in the bubble, but all they want to do is get out. And we're like, it's for their protection in the first place. Mm. Um, so it's kind of getting a little bit frustrating. And I think everybody's kind of getting a little bit edgier, I suppose. Um, it's getting very tough mentally I think for everybody to kind of stick to them rules which is understandable I mean like who would have thought that this would be where we are um this year it's just crazy um but yeah definitely it's tough yeah yeah hitting the wall no doubt you know yeah, big time yeah humanity often responds in moments like this by showing you know the better side of ourselves and our willingness to be supportive and understanding yeah. and to be uh, a lighthouse you know, in a yeah. moment uh, like like this, uh, and yet after a period of time, uh, you know, it begins to be so. You, you know, it's almost like you can be those things because you know that there is an end in sight. I know. What if you don't know that, um, and the challenges that uh, uh, that that you face as a result? Uh, so, as I as I understand it, there was an incident involving uh, you. Um, uh, last week uh, on on a bus, and that that you made some headlines in Ireland. Can, last year, well, I'm doing this for the first time, so so you know, tell me, tell tell us what happened. And um, it was actually in it was last year, and um, Steve, it was in March of last year. Okay. Um, so I was going to work in the morning, um, and I we were on the bus, and as we were coming up to O'Connell Street. Uh, which is one of our main streets in city centre Dublin. Um, we were, I noticed that the bus was kind of driving on its own, as in um, we were going through red lights. Um, people started screaming and we actually knocked down a cyclist um, and everyone was going, he's dead, he's dead. And, you know, um, really crazy. And I noticed there was a girl standing up at the front of the bus and she turned around and said, I think this man's asleep speaking about the bus driver. Um, so I got up and I went up. With, meanwhile, the bus is still running. Um, so I turned around and I was like, we need to stop this bus. So I um, reached in there, there, like a tiny little window um, where the bus driver sit and was shaking him and shaking his legs to try and move him off the foot pedals on the bus. And eventually we kind of cut, cut out. And he was actually having a cardiac arrest at the time. Um, he was in full heart attack. And so when the bus stopped, I got a few people to give me a hand and carried him out onto the street and started CPR on him. And uh, yeah, he uh, survived and he's great. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Wow. And uh, the, the cyclist was... The cyclist uh... was fine because that yeah, the, what happened was that we were feeling this feeling of it going over the bike and the bike was totally mangled afterwards. Like it was... 
broken up, bent in pieces. And what happened was, as it tipped the bike, the cyclist jumped off or like fell over to the side. So he actually avoided it, which was just a miracle in itself because we just didn't know what was the outcome of that situation as well. And when I was bringing the bus driver off the bus to start CPR and in my thought I had another man to look after as well, which thank God I didn't. And it all worked out um, miraculously, to be honest. We were very lucky. That, that is absolutely extraordinary. <laughs> it was amazing. You were immediately calling on your, your training. Mm, uh, big time. Yeah. yeah, I think we're very lucky that like in the work that I do, it's so high paced. And I think that for me, the obstacle was the moving bus. Once I had him on the ground, like this CPR thing, I just went straight into autopilot, just, you know, CPR starts straight away. Um, and was shouting out orders like there was no tomorrow asking for the AED machine and all that stuff and there was a lot of people trying to help so um, yeah he's a very lucky man he's he's great and I still keep in good contact with him um, so it's, it's great. Wow so you wake up that morning like every other morning uh, on your so you're on your way to work. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah and so no different than any other day but turned out to be really different. Crazy. It was a crazy day. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, very lucky, I suppose. I think uh, I never, you know, the, there's days when you believe in fate or whatever and you think that well, whatever was meant to be that day, it just like nearly shook me afterwards. How, oh, it's creepy. <laughs> but it's uh, uh, well, good. Um, uh, purposeful, perhaps, you know? Yeah, definitely. Be very good. blessed. Yeah, you could have caught an earlier bus or a later bus. Or... I nearly missed that bus. He actually let me on. I was banging on the door to get on. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, it's crazy. Wow. I know. That is extraordinary. So this happened in March of last year, you said? Yeah, March of last year. So it kind of blew up then in Ireland. Um, my sister had put out an Instagram post and then People on the radio heard about it and got in contact with me. And then they asked me to go on the Late Late Show with Brian Tuberty then. Um, so it was just a bit of a whirlwind of a few weeks. But, um, you know, I was just, for me, it never really was about anything that happened afterwards. It was always just being so grateful that this man was still alive and okay. That's obviously the main thing that was important to me. I didn't really care after that. Um, but again, was so lucky to have gotten the appreciation of it as well it was really nice well i i would imagine that in your years of training uh, you know as a nurse you're you're often um, told that you know what you do saves uh, a life and yet like many uh, situations you're like uh, okay but will this ever happen um, you never think it's it gonna happen wow Wow, that that is extraordinary and i i can only imagine how grateful uh, both he and his family uh, are. I mean, you quite literally saved saved a life uh, uh, and impacted a family and uh, gave yeah, five more years. Wow, wow! So I, I get to talk to a real life hero. <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, the team didn't tell me I was going to be talking to a superhero today. <laughs> I don't know about well, that. tell me a little bit about um, your you're getting into the field of nursing. Like what, uh, where did that begin? When do you first remember saying uh, nursing is what I want to do? Uh, when I was, I'm going to say 16, I think. Uh, we do a year in school called transition year, which is basically 
it's kind of a year, it's not a year off studying, but you're not doing kind of any particular curriculum. And it's kind of a year to gain experience of the outside world and you do work experience and voluntary experience and you travel around Ireland and they do kind of bits like that, just all about learning about life kind of thing. And uh, I ended up doing this course out in a different hospital. It was, I think, Crumlin Hospital at the time, uh, which is still in Dublin. And um, it was amazing. Over the, I think it was two weeks that I was doing it, they had doctors speaking to us, nurses speaking to us. It actually is a children's hospital. Um, so they had occupational therapists, um, healthcare assistants, everybody from the entire system came in to speak to us about their jobs and what they loved about it. And actually, um, at that point, the one that actually stood out to me was a play therapist, um, which is a type of job involving children and um, doing different types of therapy, like physiotherapy, occupational therapy, and then going through the mental and emotional side of being in hospital as well, and different kind of treatments, but using play as um, one of the main kind of things that they do during that therapy. Um, so that was the initial thing that stuck out to me. And one of the things that they said they'd recommend into getting into play therapy was to do children's nursing. So initially I had applied to do children's nursing and then actually I didn't get the points. We have a leaving cert over here, which is kind of like, um, I don't know what the exams that you call over in America but it's your final exam and um, I missed the points to get into children's nursing but got general um, nursing. So yeah, I ended up just staying in general and haven't looked back. I've just been in it ever since and I actually don't know if I could look after kids in the end. I think uh, general nursing suits me a lot more. I like the adult side of it and um, yeah, I think I feel nearly... I, I don't know. I always kind of thought about going back into doing children's nursing, but um, I don't know. I, I think I'd feel a bit sad looking after kids. I think it would affect me too much emotionally. I get really attached to my patients. Mm. Like even as adults, like I'd go in every morning and I'm like, good morning, as if they're like my babies or something. I'm like, hello, everyone. Mm. Like they just, it's just so nice for me to get to do that. And I just don't know if I'd be able to keep my composure if it was kids that were sick looking at if I was looking after them yeah what what is a, a typical day like uh, for you and and both prior to uh COVID and and after um so every day is kind of different there's loads of new challenges at the moment obviously with COVID but prior to COVID it was the word that I work on is a surgical word so it is ears, nose and throat, um, breasts and plastic surgeries. Um, they're all oncology related mostly. Um, so dealing with patients a lot with um, head and neck cancers, breast cancers or um, cancers that would need to be removed, but they might need a skin graft or something like that instead that we'd look after that. Then patients pre-op and post-op. Um, my shifts are supposed to be 13 hours. Um, that can vary. I did a, I think I did 16 hours there two weeks ago at one stage, not on purpose, but genuinely just how hectic it was getting and how much, you know, there's so much documentation and so much else involved that you nearly feel that you can't leave. And with staff being so short, you kind of nearly feel like you just have to stay just to help out a little bit. So that was one of the days, but 
there is a lot of obviously general nursing care um this kind of personal care and stuff involved as well with older patients um and then the surgical side of it as well so it's it's really interesting and i i loved like obviously pre-covid i loved the surgical field and being able to learn so much it's there's so much involved um with patients especially with head and neck um uh cancers and stuff like that a lot of them might need tracheostomies and you know um there's so much to learn and so much skill involved that it's i feel like i'm constantly on the go um you know which i actually do really like um but um after since covid then everything's just changed um our ward they've obviously taken out all elective surgeries so um at the moment uh we were initially a covid positive ward so anybody that had covid but that was not needing any further ventilation or airway management um would be coming to us um but then they actually switched it to a covid negative ward which i didn't mind um I actually nearly preferred being on the positive ward, to be honest, because we were more protected. We had to wear the PPE. We're on the negative ward. They were obviously trying to save the PPE. So we weren't allowed to wear them for a little while. But now we are because as of what's been happening, such as my own situation, there was being a lot of exposure um, happening without the PPE being worn. So they've now had it. Um, it's now a regulation that everybody has to wear a surgical mask and things like that. Um, but I, I suppose it is interesting. It's a lot, it's a whole other side to nursing that like I hadn't been experiencing in a while because it's dealing with people with respiratory failure and it's a whole other, um, I don't know, scene as to what I'm used to um, when there's no surgeries or like I think surgeries can be so straightforward and like you're pre-op or you're post-op and there's certain managements that we do where now it's just a whole other ball game and um you just don't know when people are going to get so sick, they can deteriorate really quickly. Um, so I think everybody's a lot more kind of on edge and just trying to be a little bit more on the ball. You're constantly working and your mind is constantly going. So it's it's a different type of nursing, but you know, it's it's still really enjoyable, like when you can take out the pressure and the the nerves. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and and certainly when you're dealing, you know, with some end of life situations, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, as as you are, yeah, the end of life I, at the moment is just crazy. It's um, it's probably one of the hardest things that as a healthcare provider is for anybody to deal with. Um, mm. for COVID positive patients, I looked after a patient and their family had to say goodbye to them over. Uh, FaceTime over an iPad, which is just insane. They were only allowed in to say goodbye, one person in to say goodbye to them for 15 minutes in full gowns and PPE where the patient themselves probably didn't even recognize them. You know, there, it is, it's, it's a really cold way, um, I find. And it's, I find that it's really um, taking its toll on staff as well, just at how much um of that kind of we have to see and not be able to you know hug families and it's it's really taking out that personal side of our job that we're so used to because that's such a huge role in nursing as it is for what we do for not only the patient but their families and everybody else involved um so that yeah it's really challenging at the moment it's just it's so different 
yeah the the um the dignity and um the care that i see your profession um uh, trying to bestow uh on human life in you know these very very difficult moments for them and and in their families is uh uh, I, I've seen, actually, I'm sure you've seen it too, where, as you just described, you know, wearing uh, PPE, you're not really recognizable. And I've, so I've seen a lot of uh, nurses who are now taking pictures of themselves, as you are right now, uh, smiling, and they are taping them to their uniforms yeah. so that you can see um, the, that the person behind the mask on the front of your uh, of your uh, of your gown. I've seen people, yeah, up in in Dublin, they've been doing that here as well. And honestly, it's it's amazing. Like it's it's such a good idea who can come up to that because it is. It's trying to find ways to let what was so personal before COVID be the same. And like it's trying to make people feel comfortable. I mean, like what's really hard at the moment is that patients are in this little four walls room with no one else for 24 hours for up to two weeks if they're in isolation if not longer if they're very unwell um and we become the their main contact which is just bizarre like their main human contact for that whole period of time and so it's when they relied on us before they rely on us so much more now um because as well like it's you know, we're their family now at this point that we go in and we're the only person that can see them for weeks. And you do get make these connections with people. And like it is, it's very special in a way, but it's also heartbreaking in another way because there's so much more that you want to be able to do for them and be able to offer them on that personal level and feel like you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It is uh, hearing you describe that, Aoife, uh, there's just no way that we're going to come out of this um, different. You know, I mean, we're going to be as a people, as a culture, just different. Yeah. Uh, because as you rightly pointed out, the effect that it's having on, on you, your profession, uh, systems, structures, uh, there, there, there is not like a, um, you kind of go back to the way things were, yeah. um, you don't. Like I always thought that at the beginning of this, my whole mindset towards the end of it was, you know, I'm never going to take for granted giving someone a hug again. And then only recently in the last week, it's kind of, kind of hit me that, we mightn't get the chance to do that still for a very long time. Like when does this, especially for healthcare workers and stuff, like whatever about easing restrictions, but if they ease restrictions, the social isolation is still going to really have to be in place until there's a vaccine of some sort. So this just, we don't know. We don't have an end date. And even for nurses and for healthcare providers, you know, we're still, even if they do ease restrictions, we're still probably not going to be included in them because we're the ones in contact with these people every day. So for me, it's it's just your whole perspective on it changes. And exactly like you said, it's going to change for everybody. It's just how can we go back to what it was 
and when will the day be that we can like be how we feel normal do you know well when when i um am talking to you um and hearing uh, your your journey you know, from your first days of deciding that nursing is what you wanted to do to saving somebody's life last year to saving people's lives today uh, you're the reason why we will be reminded of the importance of humanity it's um, and it's the reason that we should have hope and belief that you know we will return you know to those days and in a bit more humble a bit more grateful for hugs as you described for family uh, for the extended definition of family the you know the human family and historically we've kind of always looked to you know so-called leaders to provide that and um, if there's to be uh, some positivity taken from this it's that uh, uh, I'm just reminded uh, again in talking to you that we're the real uh, heroes uh, and Chiros actually are. I mean, I know you don't see yourself that way. No, not at all. I just have like, my job. <laughs> uh, well, but it's not, though. You know, it, it's know. Not. it really is. Um, and I know you said, this is what I'm trained to do, and this is what I'm supposed yeah. to do. To be honest, Ethan, not everybody's doing that. Not everybody um, is rising, you know, to the level. You have people who... Uh, across the world, this is a hoax, uh, or who won't practice physical distancing, or, or and um, here you are waking up every day, and, and now in isolation yourself, um, you know, making these sacrifices that um, should be instructive uh, for all of us, because um, most of us are not being asked to do what you are doing, and uh, mm -hmm. so we can't... Uh, honor uh, you enough uh, with what, uh, what you're doing and have continued to do. Well, I did want to end on uh, uh, your, your, your kind of reasons, your reasons for, for optimism. What's giving you uh, hope? Uh, do you know what? Um, through this whole thing, um, like this whole period of time, I've never seen countries like this is just so weird what we've got what we're going through first of all right and then but seeing everywhere all over the world come together and act and stay inside and like for a most part most people but everybody working together like that's huge like how when have we ever done anything like this before and worked so much as a team the whole way around the world like it's amazing it's absolutely incredible. And it's not just for us, it's to keep everybody safe. I mean, we're looking after our elderly, where everybody staying inside is just amazing in itself. And yeah, I mean, it's tough. And it's everybody, I definitely have my bad days and it's definitely a lot harder mentally trying to stay positive. But optimistic wise, you can see results and seeing people for like, especially when you hear every day the statistics come out, the new case. But I am lucky um, that in my situation that I see the other side of it as well. I see people recovering and I see people from ICU and I see people 
Uh, like, I, I mean, I looked after a man with COVID who was in his 80s, who had extremely, he just recovered from cancer, an extremely rare form of cancer, um, and was extremely unwell from that. And then he caught COVID and he recovered from COVID. And you see these recoveries and they're the inspiration. They're, you know, they're the people that keep us going and keep that drive there. That's why we're doing this. And when people stay in and we keep our numbers low during the day, that's the reason that we have to keep going at it. It's just, there's no choice, you know? And it's it's, it's amazing what we can do as a world um, for each other when we actually get down to it. So that's really it, you know? <laughs> Maybe the greatest lesson of all. Is yeah, exactly. You know, it's crazy. Collectively uh, to embrace and support and quite literally uh, to, to address something collectively together, uh, mm. then humanity bends towards a more positive place ultimately. So yeah, it really has been uh, uh, not just a pleasure, but an honor uh, to, to talk. Uh, I'm speaking to you too. Yes, I, I have a 15-year-old um, uh, daughter um, uh, who is, uh, in the middle of distance learning at high school, but I am going to show <laughs> uh, her this conversation with you. Wow. Uh, I can introduce her, uh, have her meet yet another uh, real life superhero. So, wow, amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, listen, we want you to stay uh, healthy and safe and well uh, from our work human family to, to, to you and, and to your family. And we're looking forward to getting uh, the positive news that you are out of isolation. But I know, I, I know you're going right back to Mater Hospital. I know that you are <laughs> as soon as you're healthy. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this says volumes about you um, and, and your family. So thanks that all. Thanks for all, all that you're doing for humanity. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>